This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so excited today to have my next guest. She is the founder of Mind, Body, Holistic Healing and Wellness. Uh, She is also the Texas ambassador for the International Women's Empowerment Organization, BIG, which stands for Believe, Inspire, and Grow. And I'm excited to talk to her because she's going to be talking about, you know, how um, health and wellness um, goals using scientifically proven holistic modalities is possible for women to reach their, reach their health and wellness goals. So I'm excited to hear about that. I'm excited to hear how she got into this industry. Uh, Right now, a lot of women are multitasking and doing so much in their life with their business and their their kids and all these different things. So uh, hopefully we can get some tips on how we can live a more healthy life. Rajni Raman, how are you? Hi, Tam. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. It's wonderful to be here with you. And thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Yes, I'm excited because I know that uh, you haven't always been in this in this field. Uh, when did you decide to start doing your health and wellness uh, business? I think you were, you know, from IT or something, right? Yes, yes. So uh, it's an interesting story, Tam, that um, I have had a previous life with 20 years in information technology. Um, My background, I have my undergraduate degree in computer engineering. And so it was sort of that part of me that had always pursued math and science. And so that math and coding and logic got me there. It was also this prevalent um, sort of thing where there's this subconscious level programming to, you know, steer you towards success and not really who you are or who you want to be. So it was all that talking in my psyche that this is the path to success. So that is what got me into the engineering field and into IT. A lot of times, you know, we get so much pressure and so much, especially depending on what community we're from, you know, there's so much pressure around us to be a certain thing, to, to measure up to a certain thing that our parents might want us to measure up to. There's just a, like a lot of that, right? And a lot of pressure. And it, you, sometimes it's louder. It's too loud that we can't really see who we are. We can't really experience who we really are. We just say, oh, well, whatever that is, it doesn't really matter. I'm witness to that, right, Tam, because this colors so much, this plays so much into your psyche, that whole programming to raise your child for success, mm-hmm. that at high school, uh, before the standardized tests, I took an aptitude test with a counseling sort of uh, entity that came to our school. Mm-hmm. And even in my aptitude test, I came a very strong candidate for computer engineering. So you can see how right. that plays, that programming plays into your psyche. Like even the answers you choose on an aptitude test where no one's around, you choose those answers, right? Right. So, um, so, you know, Tam, I had um, 
been raised in a very loving home with my mom's presence and my younger sister in Mumbai mm-hmm. and uh, India. And when I went to college, um, four years of engineering, in my last two years, I met a friend who graduated before me. And, you know, when he graduated and left to go to his hometown, we continued our correspondence through letters. The age of internet had not started. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was a, pra- I am a practicing Buddhist. I practiced a Buddhism for 30 years mm-hmm. and, um, prayer and faith have always been a part of me. Um, also, when I embraced Buddhism, Tam, it was all a very like a scientific experiment to like, see if it's going to work, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And as I had seen my prayers answered, um, you know, tangible and intangible, tangible in sense of good grades, you know, make friends, and intangible being happy, having a loving relationship, you know, having confidence. When I saw that happen through this Buddhism, I became, you know, like a devout practitioner. And Mm -hmm. the beauty to me is so many answers that I was seeking came to me through Buddhism. You know, for example, at the age of 18, I had witnessed the passing away of my aunt. Mm -hmm. She passed away in front of me. And Mm -hmm. My uncle, who had raised me for many years when I was born, was, you know, the most loving, friendly, warm soul I had ever seen. So I had this question in my heart, like, why is he going through this hardship? And so, you know, when I sought out Buddhism, the scriptures and my faith leaders guided me that many times if there's misfortune headed to a family, then sometimes the one who's strong takes on that fate and they pass away early and they've taken the fortune that's supposed to be, you know, affecting the family. And so in doing that, they've saved and protected the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd um, experienced death up close and I'd seen um, deep answers such as, you know, you can never run away from your karma, but you right. can face it, you can challenge it and transform it. So I'd become a believer that I shape my destiny through my actions, thoughts and words. So you know, uh, long story short, this friend of mine knew that I had been uh, wanting to pursue higher education in America. Uh And the way our financial situation was, you know, affording tuition and stay abroad would be a big hardship on us. So, um, you know, when um, we, our families, you know, again, we're two different states, two cultures, two languages coming together. So even our families were opposed to, you know, the wedding because it's such, it's almost like if you were to imagine my big bad Greek wedding, the Indian Uh version of it, (laughs) completely like don't know each other's culture, Uh right? So um, we sort of really, both of us, prayed so our families could see our commitment to each other Uh and so when our families agreed then without applying to him a job came to offer an offer came to my husband through a friend who he'd worked with and he said hey you know they're hiring if you're interested so he knew that I was really attached to my goal of pursuing education right So he interviewed, got the offer. And so the wedding timeline, right? It was like a year later, I had to be pushed, you know, moved forward. Uh I graduated and 
like within a month, I was married and on my way, like fast track to the United States, right? And so it's almost like this, right? My belief that the universe is a living entity. Yes, yes. It's It's vibing. And then when you connect and align your innermost desires, you know, the fulfillment, you can leave that to the universe. You Mm -hmm. take your action, you set your intention. So that's kind of been... A mantra. So that's how I landed in the United States and the journey started very naturally, right? You work and, you know, work in the field, you specialize. So, you know, all my jobs, Tam, have been with large corporations in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my jobs, I was part of the team that would do payroll processing. So the paychecks for 9,000 employees depended on our programs being accurate. So the room of error is not there. Yeah, right. Like this, right? Right. Um, so, you know, in when I was young, it was all fine and doable, right? It was like nothing was impossible, you know, like that go-getter attitude. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, um, that phase of life was me serving as a youth leader in my Buddhist community. So I was appointed young women's coordinator. And if you've known, the pattern is very similar, like a youth minister in a church. My responsibilities were praying for, you know, the young women assigned to me, making, um, you know, answering their doubts, studying the scripture, praying with them and nurturing them to success. So, you know, throughout my nine years, I did that all over Dallas. And the last two years, it was almost like crisscrossing Texas and Oklahoma, meeting young women and empowering them. Right. Then, you know, as I was approaching my 30s, it was time to pursue my dream. So I spoke with my husband and I said, you know, I, you know, the whole um, idea of coming to the United States was to pursue education. So I applied to a graduate school and went to California and completed my master's. Okay. And, you know, Tam, you won't meet many people, you know, who are couples where the husband would say, yeah, sure. You know, you go do your thing for a year and a half. I'll be home. Like do my degree for myself. (laughs) Right. Right. But I have had the fortune of really, you know, having that sort of soulmate support, you know, where he supported me and um, it's very unconventional. Right. And I also changed majors. You know, I got a degree in teaching English from, you know, being in information technology because it always been like a passion of mine to want to teach and English was always a forte. Right. And so I did that and I came back and I taught high school and it was really challenging. You know, that dream of being an educator who empowers their students, it wouldn't flying through the window. Right. You know? <laughs> what I saw in high school. The reality. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Tam, I'm from a time and age where our scriptures, you know, um, teach that you're when, you know, when you're growing up, Number one is your parents that you respect. Number two is your guru, your teacher. Right. So I have fond, beautiful memories of bonds with my teachers who I'm still connected with even after like three decades. Wow. And so I cherish my memories, right? Here, it was different. And so, you know, it was a challenge. It was really like a struggle to stay positive and, Uh you know, be the educator I wanted to be and um, um, it was it was a strain like I just had my first baby and I was facing some health issues and standing in the class classroom alone was like putting strain on my knee 
And so here's my first journey that took me towards that career of being a healer. I started having shooting pain in my lower back and it would travel to my knee. And the first two doctors I went to suggested surgery. And when I left their office, I promised to never turn back because I was not ready to take that, you know, as a verdict, right? So I really went back to prayer and I went back with that intention. I'm going to find the right practitioner to help me. And so, you know, I just went doctor to doctor and this one lady uh, uh, recommended that I see her teacher was practicing at a health science center and he is an osteopath, not a chiropractor, but an osteopath who go to med school and do medication, uh, medical practice as an integrated, like a full body treatment. So he did adjustments and MRI and stuff and found that my, um, I had scoliosis, but one of my legs was one sixteenth of an inch shorter. So he had a wedge order, you know, from the material that shoe sole is uh-huh. made, I put that wedge in where my heel goes in my shoe. Uh-huh. And I kept doing these adjustments every six months, but I started also a regimen of doing yoga. I had learned yoga in middle school from a husband and wife who did that as social service to teach and empower their community. Mm-hmm. So I learned in middle school and I continued, but there were phases when I'd stop and start. But when this happened, I really started. Wow. After a few months, Tam, I didn't need the wedge or the adjustments anymore. And I was doing very intense forward bends, backward bends, and running. So I knew I had healed myself. And that really started this journey of understanding that the world's most expensive pharmacy is this body and you have full control. Yes. Right. When you feed yourself positivity, like the diet of positivity, right. your body starts healing. Like, you know, if I told you, right, the stomach, the inner lining renews every five days, even our skin, the epidermis renews every 30 days. So it's like this organism that's in the process of renewal, renewing, right? Mm-hmm. Renewing. So when you are aware and you feed yourself that, then it's a thriving entity. So, you know, in these 20 years in IT, Tam, I always felt this sort of stress, right? The level of stress so high. And with two little kids, when I became susceptible to, you know, illnesses, like I, I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism after my first baby, which explained how I lost all the baby fat in no time. Right. And people were asking me, like, are you on a diet? I'm like, no, I'm doing nothing. And so when I came positive for hyperthyroidism, it explained that you burn fat without right. doing anything because your heart's beating faster. And so, you know, I really started digging deep from a scientific perspective, what is going on? And so the way I learned that when you're having a baby after the baby's born, you need to be up and you need to be like breastfeeding the baby every three hours up at night for breastfeeding. So your body naturally elevates that thyroid level. So you have the energy and within five, six months with rest and sleep, it tapers, but for some, it never does. And so there are millions of people who take thyroid medication and once they're on it, they're on it. Right. In my case, Tam, I had witnessed with my second baby, my thyroid flipped and it went hypo. 
Mm-hmm. At that time, I was taking a particular medication for depression and the doctor who was treating my thyroid said he'd seen patients day in and day out when they were on that medication, it would do that to their thyroid. Right. And when I took this, you know, he printed material and gave this to me to take to my doctor so he might consider changing my medication, but he refused to accept that study. And so then, you know, uh, I was sort of like, okay, I got to find a different doctor to go to. I responded really well to the change of medication, but every time the stressors in my life would go up, my thyroid, you know, would get affected, my sleep would get affected. And it would sort of put me in this pattern of like irritability, crying at night, and also like trauma that I'd gone through earlier in my life, I would start seeing all of it like it was happening now. Oh, wow. And so, you know, here I was, right, athletic, had done yoga, had been a counselor for so many young women, right? Sort of motivation and inspiration was my thing. And I hadn't taken a pill for headache till I was 30 plus years old. Now I was living on a regimen of pills. Mm. And it's disturbing to know one medication can do some other damage somewhere. Let me ask you, was this all as a result of just not doing what you were meant to do, like the stress of life, you know, like first you were in tech, that was a lot, lot of stress. Then you were as a teacher that ended up being a lot of stress. You know, life of a woman is very busy, very busy, you know, and uh, that can be very stressful as well. Um, So all these things, do you think that was affecting you at the time? I think, Tim, in my 20s, I could handle all of that because I was fully in charge of myself. As yes. When I became a mom, I had no biological family. No one. Like, I'm the last line of Of course, defense. right. You don't have anyone to, like, you know, usually you have a little, what you call it, a tribe around you, mom to help you. But you're in a different country now. You're just you and your husband here. Yeah. I mean, my mom's like 12 hours, different time zones. If I wanted to call her, she may be asleep. Right. Right. So that's when my real struggle as an immigrant and my health battle started. Yeah. Because with, you know, I was, I was sort of like put in charge of these two precious little beings. Yes. And I'm in that mode, right. Where I have to care and give. So, you know, what happens to self care? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Of course not. When you're functioning like that in a high stress environment where you feel like there's no room for error, you have no one to go to for support, you know, for, you know, like when I had my first baby, my husband was almost laid off, almost by this margin. He um, like he knew it coming. So he sort of diversified and yes. moved to another department. But the stress it was putting on him and we were raising our first baby. No clue how things, you know, right. No clue. Right. right. And so that stress alone put so much strain on our relationship as a husband and wife so that, you know, things that I could normally go to him. I thought that that door is shut on me as right. well. And then this baby, right? Like I am sort of in this mode. I've got to protect the baby. I've got to provide the baby. I've got to be healthy to give, to nourish. And in that process, you know, I think one puts so much strain on oneself that, you know, damage starts happening. So uh-huh. I think, Tim, like I've reflected and found that, um, you know, stress and also like striving for perfectionism is 
not good. There is no, no such a thing as a perfect mom. No. So, you know, at some point in my life, I understood when I'm doing my best, it's good. It's a-okay. I don't need approval. I don't need comparison. And that, you know, was all part of my healing journey. I started um, going to the library every weekend, you know, with my kids in tow, they would pick their books and I would pick my book and every book I would pick would be on, you know, health matters, self-healing. Right. And, um, I would start, um, like, you know, when these two were napping, I would have my headphones be in bed with them and listen to influencers who talk about tapping into like the unlimited resource within you and connecting with the universe. And, um, I, in real life, right? These were my strategies. I connected with practitioners who teach holistic healing. My family, my ancestors on my mom's side have practiced Ayurveda. It's a 3000 oh, yeah, year old that. science mm-hmm. of healing, right? And I picked up my yoga routine and like, you know, I'd have this power routine in the morning before anyone woke up 4am in the morning, I get up and pray. Mm-hmm. And I then have time for yoga and get this mindset tuned for success and happiness right so it became like this practice of me time and it became this practice of staying in the positive domain like I would not give in to complain whatever the doctors would say oh sure yeah right but these holistic practitioners I was working with you know I knew they were committed for healing they were not dispensing medication if they you know if a doctor completely heals their patient what happens to their revenue right right of course i mean right? it's not going to be cost effective you know if they're or they're not gonna make as much money if they're starting to heal people <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you know, right. so tam that's how like when i started seeing remission like all my blood work after like six years of putting energy into this, when my blood work was in fully healed range, the doctors Mm -hmm. themselves had to taper my medication. Yeah. And when I would share this in my, you know, circle of soul sisters from my faith family, they would, you know, all be like, you've got to share this more women, more people to hear this story of healing. And so two years ago, I decided this is it. Now is the time to do it. And that's when I launched my company and like started this sort of change of sharing my story and sharing my journey. That's really awesome. How do you stay? I mean, it's, it's, I almost hear it in your, your answer that you gave, but how do you stay inspired? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, right now you've healed yourself and you're starting to work with other people, but what's keeping you inspired now? You know, Tam, it's um, a great question because so many times it's your closest people that give you that judgmental look. Like you're doing what? Right. Like you left your <laughs> job right. and you're doing what? Like come again? Like what do you do actually? Like, and so I've had that happen to me over and over. And uh, my inspiration, Tam, of course, there are mentors who I look up to. And my inspiration is the proof I've seen in my life. Yeah. And my inspiration is being true to what gives me joy. So when I share my healing journey, completely true, completely authentic, 
it empowers me. You know, Tam, I will share after my firstborn, I was, um, you know, struggling with severe insomnia. And um, I was on this medication. And um, one of these medications actually started making me stammer. And one of the medications I would, you know, there would be drooling happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the final call, Tam, was one time I lost bladder control. Like I couldn't make it quick enough to the restroom. And when I went to the doctor, he wrote medication to stop that. And I thought, another pill? Another thing. That was like my wake-up call that this trajectory, this path of being on a regimen of pills, I have to find something else. Right. That's when I started like the whole process of looking for holistic healers and becoming serious of taking ownership of my journey in my faith, I'd been told over and over again, you're responsible for everything in your life. Yes. Even if it's another person who's giving you a hard time, you're responsible. You have full ownership. So then it comes with responsibility, but it's freeing. When I took ownership, you know, the path opened in front of me. Yeah, I love that. Would, would you say that is what you would tell someone else like there's a lot of people right now a lot of women um you know even right now now is a really stressful time the pandemic has happened and things have changed people have lost jobs you know there's so much happening right now and it's extremely stressful for a lot of people so what would you tell a woman who was experiencing a lot of stress in her life right now what she should do first to heal herself You know, Tam, I think um, we have this uh, mindset that's, again, conditioned by society. If you take time for yourself, it's bad. Like you're busy, you have time. But I go tell the opposite. If you take 10 minutes to ground yourself, 10 minutes to look inside as if you were like a third person, you know, like see the process of your body, the miracle it is, right? So we and nature are in in, inextricably connected. So we're breathing the oxygen the plants put out and we're giving carbon dioxide. So if I took 10 minutes to notice, you know, like the miracle that my body is and how, even if I may feel alone, I'm breathing, I'm eating in all these processes I'm connected with the universe. And so if I did a 30 second exercise to picture a tree and picture how its roots reach deep down and take nutrition from earth. And if I did that 30 second activity to breathe and imagine if I'm like, you know, in this beautiful green patch surrounded by trees and my feet are touching the ground and I'm able to soak whatever vitamins, minerals, nutrients I need. And if I just breathe like that for 30 seconds, if I open my eyes after one minute, I feel like this surge of new energy that I have. Right. Wow. And so, you know, this experience, Tam, has given me permission to pursue parts that I'd shut down before due to conditioning. 
in the last one and a half year, I've taken music lessons and I've enjoyed singing. Oh, I never gave myself permission to do that because of the, like, what's the point of doing that, right? <laughs> right. It's happiness. So, you know, I've given permission to like, shut the door, ask the kids and husband to watch TV and say, these 30 minutes are my time. And in those 30 minutes, give myself like a nice hot bath and feel nourished, right? Doing that, I think, is what my first advice would be for women who are feeling stressed. Because, you know, nature's made us natural multitaskers. We just are that right. by nature. Like in the morning, we're checking in on the kids. We're thinking, okay, this is for breakfast, this is for tea, I'm packing my lunch. No, we're doing all these. Our brains are just wired like that. And so when we're in that mode, the person we put on the last is ourselves. And we've got to change that mentality. Very true. Right? Making a ritual, whether it's five minutes in the morning and then right after lunch break or in that lunch break, make five minutes for you to read something you love. And at night, you know, have some time with you and essential oils, just you and those oils, rub some oil on your feet, like put on some lotion and, mm -hmm. you know, have a minute to just think about the day you've had and think about the people you've come in contact with and how, even if you don't acknowledge it, there's light that you share with others. And when you acknowledge that, that light becomes stronger. Yes, I love that. And it's so important right now, especially now, uh, to just take some time. My mom always used to say, you need to take more time with yourself. And, and this is really important. Uh, not an option even. It's, it's really a necessity. So thank you so much, Raji. This has been amazing. How do we connect with you? So I know people are going to probably be looking you up and trying to figure out how they can get more Rajni in their life. <laughs> how <laughs> do we find you? Um, it's very easy. Um, my website is very simple. Um, www.myfirstnameandlastname, Rajni Raman, R-A-J-N-I-R-A-M-A-N.com. And my Instagram and Facebook handles are very easy to find. I love it. Thank you so much. And I look forward to everything we're going to be doing together. Thank you, Tam. I'm so excited. It's lovely to be connected with you. And I had such a wonderful time speaking with you. 